Yak Back Podcast, presented by Anytown Records. Today's special guest is AJ, a close friend of mine. We discuss his childhood and the events leading up to him joining the army. Enjoy. What's up, man? How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. <laughs> you glad you're quitting your job? Um, I'm beyond glad, man. I'm fucking beyond glad. <laughs> Three years of fucking misery behind you. I don't know. I saw you leave and I saw the pain wash from your fucking face. (laughs) My soul has come back into my body ever since I left the service industry. Yeah, you're gaining like color back. Yeah, color and weight. (laughs) I didn't even do drugs, bro. It was just sad weight. (laughs) Sad weight loss. Yeah, the the last night you left, I remember actually crying on the way home. I was like... I felt like like you're in jail and your like cellmate gets released. It's kind of like when Andy Duf- uh when fucking who was it Andy Dufresne left Shawshank and Morgan Freeman was still there. You watch me pick up all my belongings and walk the fuck out, no, never like, to be seen again. I was hoping to find you like building a canoe somewhere or whatever fucking he's doing up in that movie. Find me next to the fucking apple tree reading a book. Yeah. So, all right. Um. I feel like I've the three years we've worked together, you've told me a lot of things, but I don't really know a lot of it in order. I feel like there's some things um I I haven't asked you about. Okay. Um so we're just gonna start at the beginning. Like who are you? Where are you from? Who are your parents? Well I'm AJ. I grew up in Las Vegas, Nevada. Mom was a real estate agent when I was growing up. Dad was a superintendent for construction. I don't know when the switch happened, but mom ended up going to work at a restaurant so she could work nights and dad could work days. So there was always a parent home. But even with that, it was still Vegas. So you grow up in a city built on greed and deception and then uh, shit gets a little rowdy out there. <laughs> then, But I was... One of the few people born and raised in Las Vegas. It's kind of like Austinites. They don't exist. You're like one of those people. It's a transplant city full of people that move there. And it was like, nah, I grew up there. I watched it transition over and over again. In the 90s, it was pretty nice. Kind of chill. Like, like business was booming. Like houses were just being thrown up everywhere. People were fucking flocking to it. And then when the housing market crashed in 2009... We ended up losing our house that we grew up in. And, like, the whole city fucking died. Like, the whole mood just, like, flipped in Vegas. And that's when, like, I don't know, like, there's just, like, a general unwellness to Las Vegas. And that's why I fucking left. Because even when I go back now, it's just, like, the sadness that just, like, crept over it. Do you have any family still there? Yeah. My brother's still there. He's got his four kids, his wife, uh, my other brother's... Uh, wife is there with my two nephews. All my aunts and uncles all moved to like Wyoming, so they they kind of fucking booked it too. Like, but other than that, it's been like a mass exodus from Vegas. So, what was it like growing up there? And how many? And like, you have a sister and a brother, two brothers and a sister, mm-hmm. and uh, well, Matt passed away about. Six years ago now. Mm-hmm. And then JJ is the one that still lives there. 
And then my sister lives out here in Texas with us. But there was a time when, like, my entire family lived in Vegas. And they even, like, my grandparents lived next door to my aunt and uncle. And then my cousins lived across the street from them on this cul-de-sac. And it was just, like, the whole, like, family neighborhood was right there. And I still have some aunts and uncles that live out there. And those are probably the only ones I would, like, keep in contact with ever. Like, I see mostly. The ones in Wyoming I haven't seen in years now. But growing up there was... It was different, to say the least, because it's a 24-hour town. So, like, once you're able to drive, it's just, like, everything is open all the fucking time. And it must make getting into trouble easy. It was fucking easy. (laughs) (laughs) It was so easy to get in trouble. It was just, like... I mean, I remember walking into liquor stores when I was, like, 16, not getting carded. Damn. Like, not even, like, I, mean, I look like a fucking, I look like I'm 16 right now. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. You probably look like you're a fetus when you're Yeah, 16. I was, like, just, like, no fucking facial hair. I was, just like, uh, and they're, like, oh, here you go, man. I'm, like, what the fuck? This is it, dude. And, they're like, what was, what were your parents like? Were they strict? My parents weren't strict per se they were more of a like honestly the house i like grew up in was like the safe haven for kids with broken homes like my parents were very welcoming to all the other kids and like very nurturing to all them as well so if like you know like brothers and sisters like friends like their families sucked like if their mom and dad were alcoholics and like beat the shit out of them they would come stay at our house and they would just, like, get away from their family. My parents were, like, the ones that would, like, cultivate that. Like, here's a place where you can sleep, eat dinner, go to school, and not worry about getting fucked with. You know what I mean? So, mom and dad had, like, the... Like, as long as you're not fucking up, we're not going to fuck you up kind of thing. Like, if you're going to do bad shit, don't let us know. And don't get caught. Uh, but... On the other hand, if you did get caught, it was rough. So, like, but my parents weren't, they didn't beat you. You know what I mean? Like, I fucking don't remember ever getting spanked. My dad would do some, like, he would do vicious-ass mind games. If you fucked up, he would make you write an essay, right? He would take everything away from you, and you'd get locked in your room, like, like solitary confinement, and write an essay. And then you would turn the essay into him, like, it. The entire time you were suspended from school for doing something stupid, mm-hmm. you'd be writing an essay, turn it into him. He would go through it and correct it and tell you it's not good enough and you'd have to do it again. And I did, you would do fucking essays over and over again until you had like a seven page essay of like why you fucked up, what you learned from it, why you won't do that shit again. And like, that was like, uh, yeah, but he wanted like every fucking detail of like the events leading up to why you fucked up, like what you learned, how you're never going to do that again. That... And to me, that was worse than any beating. Beating, I'd rather just taking some licks. Yeah, the fucking (laughs) the physical pain goes away after about thirty minutes, man. The fucking the mental solitude of like sitting there thinking about how you fucked up for that long was it was shitty in the moment, but like it now where I'm at, I'm glad he did it because like I can write like a motherfucker too. And I think about shit before I do it. <laughs> like, like, do I want to write an essay right now? No, I don't want to write no God, fucking yeah. essay. <laughs> like, um, so 
So he's making you write essays. Like, so what's growing up? Just how was how was your dynamic between you and your brothers and sister? Were y'all all were were you? Let me rephrase that. Um, so my brother's eight years older than me. Yeah. So he was way older than me. I remember times we didn't get closer to her older. So like, were you hanging out with them? Were you getting in trouble with them? I wasn't getting in trouble with them. My brothers are fourteen year, or my brothers are twelve years older than me. My sister's ten years older than me. So I was just like a tag along. I just like I didn't grow up. I didn't really have friends my age until I got to like seventh grade because I would just hang out with all of them. So like I had like the friends at school and shit, but I never really hung out with them. I had like the f- the few like friends I would like ride bikes with and shit, and it was like three all day, and I would just hang out with my brothers and sisters. So I had already like I started feeling like a teenager when I was like eleven. Mm-hmm. So it was a weird dynamic growing up like that. But I mean, they took care of me the best they did, and sometimes my brothers would be dicks. <laughs> And they, they're, they're, they're older brothers, bro. They're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And I realized that if you can beat my ass better than my brothers, like, you deserve to beat my ass, but it ain't going to fucking happen. <laughs> <laughs> my sister would usually come save me and fucking take me away. But it, I had a good relationship with, I still have a good relationship with all my family. Like, mm-hmm. and growing up, even then too, like, brothers, when they finally, like, were old enough, to like go out and work like they would take me christmas shopping and shit and like buy me new shoes for school and everything so it was definitely nice being the youngest and getting yeah. spoiled a little bit but you also had like standards set for you mm-hmm. so it was like i don't know i always aspired to like do better if that makes sense yeah because i would see like where not nah, saying they fucked up because i mean They've all done very well for themselves, but it was like, just do better. Like, learn from your siblings' mistakes and carry on, like, doing better and better and better. And just like, I don't even think it's unhealthy because it's helped me, like, create myself into a better person in that way. You're And you're the youngest, right? Yeah. Same. Like, our our older siblings took all the licks and got like parents are a lot chiller with the youngest ones. I definitely had a, uh, I had the cool fun shit to do with dad. <laughs> the yeah. other ones. And they, and, and your, your, your brothers or sisters, or whatever, know that you have it n- not as bad as them. So that's oh, like, for sure. <laughs> They're like, fuck you, Alex. I love you. You little son of a bitch. <laughs> so we've early on when we started working together, we bonded over, um, <laughs> we about like the, the pain the, we, the deep dark the because we we were at the time you were sober and i was trying to get sober and we would talk about i wasn't was i sober when you first yeah, met me he, i think i think he, it just he, sobered up just it'd been like a, a year i think right or no it might have been like six months damn that's when i was just chugging topo chicos <laughs> yeah every time i see you be holding a fucking topo and then i remember it was world the world cup and the night before i blacked out and got dropped off at work and threw up in front of nickel city and went into work and then i drank cold brew and threw up again 
and I was towards the end of the shift. I saw you in the back. You, you, would, cor- you cornered me, <laughs> and you're like, "How'd you get sober?" <laughs> yeah, you were just holding a topo. Like you would always just randomly pop up when you were off work with a topo and be like, "How did you do this?" <laughs> and uh, I feel like we talked about substance abuse and a lot of that shit. So for you, was it a thing? that started building when you were younger or was it not until you enlisted or it was a i mean I, vegas is a party city and like that culture doesn't just stay on the strip that culture is like through and through the whole city uh i mean we we're going i was going to fucking like project x type parties by the time i was 15 bro like it was there was points there's times I look back and I go, how in the fuck did none of us get arrested? Yeah. Like thinking about the shit, like just the, the copious. And it was like, how did we get, how would we roll up with like four kegs when you're 16? Like yeah. in a city, not like a rural area where you like just know the guy that works at the liquor store is your cousin or some shit. This was like, just for some reason we always had availability to drugs and alcohol. And I mean, the, the fucking parties just never stopped. And then by the time I was getting out of high school, I mean, it was all, there were some times we would just ditch school and go like hang out and fucking smoke weed and party all day and just not go to fucking school. And it didn't seem like a problem then. It didn't even seem like a problem until I sobered up. But then I look back and I'm like, Jesus Christ, how the fuck did we make it out? And some of the people I grew up with didn't make it out. And I don't know where the fuck they're at now, but I know I know a couple of them that sobered up too, but they're just like, I, all the shit we did, we did it before we were even of legal age to do it. Yeah, like, we all have those friends that kind of, it's like in the fucking Sandlot, the crazy kid, and they're like, Bertram just got really into the 60s and he disappeared. <laughs> like like, yeah, you're like, what happened to him? He's like, hypodermics. Mm, and you're just like, Jesus Christ, where did he go? I, I think I, I, I started going the hardest in 12th grade. That's when I finally got a car. I got an old Buick. And on my mama's soul, she can uh, attest to this thing. They sent my mom a letter. She, my mom kept telling me, it was like, you're going to graduate. I don't care what, you're going to graduate. And at that point, she was super religious. Like, if I call, if someone called my house and was like, um, let me talk to Andrew, I'd be like, tell him I'm not here. She's like, I'm not lying for you. And just hand me the phone. Like, So she never lied. But when it came to school, because I was like skipping school and getting lit and partying and stuff. And she was like, I don't care what um, I have to do. So we, uh, we get a call from the principal, and this is the crazy part. That you know how schools are in four nine weeks. Yeah, I skipped a whole nine weeks of school. Holy shit! And dude. I was in the principal's office. I had a fucking Motorola phone, and uh, the principal's like, "I'm gonna call your mom." And because I told him I was like forging all my things and saying I had to go to the doctor, she's like, "I'm gonna call and see if this is true." And I like while looking at the principal because in the old school phones. You knew how to text without looking on that shit. Yeah, I just T9. Put, I just put... I put four, four, five, yeah. six, seven, eight. <laughs> I just put say yes. And she called my mom and was like, did he have these excused? And she's like, yes. And then I graduated. Oh, God. So mom she, had to take... Oh, I bet you got home to a fucking earful. Yeah, I was too big at that point to get worn out. But <laughs> they would... 
it was it was enough uh yeah actually the <laughs> i had already graduated high school i was working at a fucking car wash i was detailing cars in this like dead dead summer of vegas bro it was just beating down this asphalt hot as fuck and i was like man fuck all this like i'm joining the army i'm getting the fuck out of vegas and i threw a party at the house and i don't know how it transpired but my little like going away gathering turned into like 200 people inside my house <laughs> there's people parking in my fucking neighbor's front yard and i was okay with it at first I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, party. And then the uh, the turning point was when I get called into the backyard. And uh, my buddy's like, he's in the fucking tree. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? And I like walk in the back after I hit the bongzilla that was like posted up in my living room. We had a fucking DJ in my house. We moved all the furniture into the storage on the side of the house and put up a DJ booth in my living room. <laughs> it was and I like go out back and I'm like, who the fuck's in the tree? And I like look up and this dude just straight Looney Tunes falls out of the tree, hits every fucking branch on his way down and dislocates his shoulder. I'm like, who the fuck is this kid? He's like, my fucking shoulder. I was like, you gotta fucking leave, bro. I don't know who you are. We that That's the crazy thing is when you and I are talking, we met each other when both of us had chilled out. Because I, I stopped drinking like two months after working at Nickel City. So it's like when I hear these stories from you and you show me pictures, I'm like, I just don't imagine you being crazy, like wilding out. Bro, my girlfriend can't even imagine. She's like, I just don't, I don't see you as a drinker. And I was like, it wasn't a good time. Yeah. That, that, every time someone's like, you know, you seem like fun when you're drinking. I was like, no. Like, I was like, you would not like me. I was, I was like, not fun. I drank till I blacked out and then I would wake up and just be depressed and cry and like drunk texting people. And like, it was awful, dude. Well, that was the thing. I went into that party and I was like, who's here for my birthday? And like everyone rose their hands. I was like, you get the fuck out. You get the, you all get the fuck out. And then like all my like close friends stayed there. Cause they knew it was my fucking going away party for joining the army. And then we like just went in the backyard and everyone shaved my fucking head. Whoa. Okay. So how, how old were you? Were you eighteen or seventeen? Uh, two days after my birthday, I signed the papers, and then I didn't leave until March the following year. And what made you decide to do this? I had known I was going to join the army before that. Uh, you like one of those kids? Were you like one of those kids who knew their whole life they were going to be in the military? Oh yeah, dude. There's pictures of me when I was like six years old wearing camo, mm-hmm. like creeping around in like the fucking lake and shit with the dogs, like with a little fake plastic gun. So yeah. it was like. My path was already set at a young age. I wanted to be a fucking soldier. And uh, the way I went, because both my brothers were in the Army. My sister was in the Army. Dad oh, was, in, was the, in the Army, too? Yeah. Oh, the whole family. Dad was in the Army. Grandpa was in the Army. Other grandpa was in the Navy. Uncle was in the Navy. So like, you like Lieutenant Dan, basically. The whole family, dude. Everyone. <laughs> Everyone. Everyone. <laughs> Everyone's fought in the war. <laughs> you, every One of my cousins did a lineage, like, all the way back. Like, I mean, fucking far way back. Since my family came to the Americas, they fought in every war since, I think, the Civil War. Unlike, I want to say it was my dad's side. And then, no, my dad's side was, she ended up tracing it back to, like, Viking days. Like, Holy shit. Yeah. She ended up tracing it back to, like, the Gauls fighting the Romans type shit. And I was like, all right, so it makes sense. Like, this is, like, 
So you choose violence. Yeah, <laughs> I always choose violence. <laughs> but like it, it was always something I wanted to do. I didn't even take SATs or ACTs. Yeah, I straight. I took the ASVAB and like. And it was it. Was it? Did you feel like it was your duty because? All your family members, are you legitimately for yourself just wanting to go in? I just wanted to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was obviously the bias there because I mm-hmm. like would see like my brothers and sister went through it. And I was like, I just have to know. Would they like, have been pissed at you for not doing it? Oh, no. They fucking told me to go to college. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. They, everyone. Everyone was like, just go to college. You don't do this shit. I was like, fuck you. I'm going to do what I want. And I joined the army. I was like, I should have went to college, bro. <laughs> this is fucking waking up every morning at 4 a.m just to go run in the fucking arctic <laughs> okay we'll get it we'll get into that yeah hell yeah the, it was it was just something i wanted to do since i was a kid and the way i went about it too i like i picked and choose my contract very specifically because i knew what I, like they offered me all these like uh like logistics jobs and all this shit and i ended up picking 12 Bravo with the option four, which is combat engineer with the airborne contract. And they're like, are you fucking, are you serious? You want to do this? And I was like, I want to play with explosives and jump out of fucking airplanes, bro. Like I'm not. <laughs> and I ended up doing that shit, bro. But I was like, I'm dead set on like, I want to do something that sucks. Like I don't want to work in a fucking office and I don't want to mm-hmm. do paperwork shit. Like I want to be out in the fucking boonies doing dumb shit. Aren't you afraid of heights? Yeah, <laughs> fucking terrified of heights, bro. Like, every time I jumped out of a fucking airplane, I thought I was gonna die. Like I was like, "This is the one, boys. Like I'm gonna fucking die." There, there was at one point like, you just you get like the, you know, when you're like driving and you're like, "Damn, which way did I take home?" <laughs> like yeah. you're like, "Does that even, was that light even fucking green?" That's how it was. Like at that point, I was jumping out of planes. I would just wait for the green light, and I was just like, my mind would go blank, and then all of a sudden, I'm fucking free falling towards the earth. <laughs> Dude, the, the first one, the, the first time I ever met you is I was coming in. They wanted me to come in to work like an hour or two to shadow you, but I had another job at the time, so they're like just come in and follow Alex for a little bit. And we, I remember we didn't really do anything. We stood by the dumpster and just talked shit. Yeah, we stood by the dumpster and smoked, smoked cigarettes, cigarettes and talked shit. <laughs> and you pulled out your phone. And oh, you're like, God. And you're like, you want to see a body? Yeah. Like, Yo, you want to see this dead dude? And then you were showing me pictures of you uh, jumping out of planes and shit. And at one of them, you're like, you're, you're like taking, if I remember correctly, a selfie like in the air with your parachute. And I go, well, dude, there's a fucking hole in that thing. And you're like, yeah, that happens. Yeah, that happens <laughs> sometimes. <All the> time. <laughs> you said you never knew. You basically, as soon as you jumped out and you pulled the chute, you're like, let's see if this one has a hole in it. Oh, dude, they pull, the f- they pull themselves. They're on static lines. They're hooked up to the airplane. So when you jump out, you're on like a 90-foot line. Mm-hmm. And once you hit that 90-foot line, it pulls the chute. So you count like 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000. And at 4,000, if you don't feel that parachute get ripped out of your back, you're about to be in some deep shit. You need to figure it out, bro, because <laughs> you're going. And they, you don't jump out high up. You jump out at like 1,200 feet. Oh, shit. Yeah, you're not high. Like. So you would only have a second to figure that out. You got like a solid 10 seconds to figure it out before like Mother Earth tells you how it is. <laughs> like <laughs> gravity always wins, bro. There's aviation and the airborne have one thing in common. They ain't never left no one up there. <laughs> <laughs> so um, 
you have the party, they shave your head, yep. and you go to basic. Where were you going to basic at? I went So I went to Fort Leonardwood, Missouri. Let me tell you about Fort. It already sounds awful. <laughs> yeah. There's a nickname for it called Fort Lost in the Woods. You're you fly into St. Louis, right? You're like, oh, this ain't bad, man. St. Louis ain't bad. And then you hop on a bus. That bus just keeps going deeper and deeper and deeper into the middle of fucking nowhere. And you're just like, pretty soon you're just in this like, like about an hour away from the Ozarks. So if you can imagine like how the Ozarks looked. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine that, but like a shitty army base with some meth and like, boom, that's where the army base is. The only thing in fucking Fort Leonard, Missouri is training soldiers, meth and a Buffalo wild wings. (laughs) Oh my God. And I was there for, Basic training was 14 weeks. I was on holdover status for about three weeks before I went to airborne school in Georgia. But basic training was, it was just, now looking back at it, I'm like, it's like 18, scared, like fragile little boy (laughs) going into it. And I'm like getting fucking woken up every morning with like banging trash cans and shit getting thrown everywhere. And everything is always chaos. And there's never like a, a single moment of like silence and like happiness. <laughs> then you like, so like our job. Yeah. Our pretty fun. That's why I was so used to it already, bro. I already been broken by the government. <laughs> I already been through that ringer, bro. You can't yell at me and scare me. It's <laughs> like eating really fast. And like, oh, yeah. I eat over a trash can. I was like, this ain't shit, bro. <laughs> it's one homage. It was like, if you can't eat with a spoon, it's not edible. <laughs> it was. And Leonardwood was a fucking, it was in the middle of nowhere. And what happens in Missouri is like, I mean, I'm from Vegas, dude. So, I mean, I would see a rain cloud like once every six months. And there was one point where we're like standing around and it's a sunny day. And you just kind of like, like the drill sergeant's just like, we got to get inside now. And I turn around and there's just this black death cloud behind us. I was like, what the fuck is that? And a tornado hit. And then after the tornado it was an electrical storm. Oh, shit. An electrical storm is just like a lightning storm, but about 50 times faster. That shit was terrifying, bro. I was like, what the fuck is going on outside, bro? It looked like daylight at midnight. I was like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> like, this is fucking crazy. <laughs> and then uh, it's just, you just go through training, man. You go to fucking classes. You wake up every morning and you do physical training, like just either running, push up, sit up. You just do shit like that. Um, Sometimes combatives. The the job I was in was an all-male unit. So it was just like testosterone-fueled chaos. Like there was fights in the barracks every night over yeah. dumb shit. It's like, you stole my pencil. It's like, well, I'm from New York. Like, I'm from Boston. Like then they just started <laughs> fucking swinging on each other, bro. We had one dude in there. His name, like, his name was Deadass Jesse Jackson. And he was a white dude from like the middle of Kentucky. And I swear to God... Basic training was the first place he ever saw a black person. Like, this dude was... Is that ironic? It was... Yeah, no shit. And, like, he was just... He had no teeth. Like, I think he joined the army just so that he could get the veneers. Like, because they sent him to dental. And he, like, came back with a smile. We're like, damn, bro, you don't look as fucked up anymore. Yeah. (laughs) And, like, it was just... It was a melting pot of people from all around the country. And you take all these different cultures and you throw them into a fucking an open bay room with a hundred beds and they're like, get along or suffer. And it was just, you learn real quick. The like humanizing factor of it all. 
It's like, no matter what your differences are, this shit sucks, and we're sucking together. <laughs> is it is it like a thing? Like, so if you're just at a regular job and you're with a bunch of people and you got to get along, you might not ever get along with somebody. But when you're in the military, does it start off you might not get along, but at a, a point it's like we have to have each all of us have to have each other's backs. So yeah. we have to we can't be mad at each other. Yeah. No. Uh, I mean, there's you just got flex nuts a few times. Yeah. I mean. Even like continuing, because like the army is a, it's like a nine to five once you get out of all the training aspects. Because like the training was only 16, 14 weeks there and then three weeks in Georgia. And the three weeks in Georgia was, it was literally just running, dude. Like running everywhere. That's airborne school. You run every fucking where. You do a bunch of pull ups and you run. The first week is ground week. So that's when they put you in like these parachute harnesses that swing off of a like six foot piers and you do that just to practice your landing falls. And then the second week is the tower week where they string you up the like 150 foot towers with a parachute on and then they drop you. It's like a, it's like a really shitty carnival ride. Mm-hmm. Like you just get in a parachute harness and they like tow you up to the top and then you fall down. And then the third week is jump week. But my jump week kind of got fucked up because we had a bunch of storms so we couldn't fly and jump. So I ended up doing two jumps one day and three jumps another day, which is painful as fuck. You jump out of an airplane twice. So you jump once, land, get back on the bus, go back to the airfield. They put you on a plane and you do it again. The next day we did three jumps. It was just like back to back to back. And then like after killing your knees. Oh, my knees hurt like a bitch today. It sounds like Rice Krispie treats when I wake up. Mm. And this is almost 10 years later. I can't wait to see what it's like when I'm 40. <laughs> but you do that, and then they, you know, they do blood wings. They're not supposed to. It's considered hazing, and it's not allowed. But they take the damage off of your pen, and they punch the wings in your chest till it punctures into your chest. Yeah. No, it's wait. Okay, wait. So airborne wings have the little pins, mm-hmm. just like the stupid pins people from bars wear. Yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, look at me. I have a Bacardi pen. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. cool. Those pens, take the damage out of it and then punch it into your skin. And then, like, everyone that is above you punches it into your skin. You just go through, like, the gauntlet of getting this fucking shit ripping into your skin. I still have scars on do my they, chest. Do, they t- do, you, do, you, do you agree to this or they just do it? Uh, the way my instructors did it was do you want it the new way or the traditional way? I was like, traditional. Yeah. And then it was like, meet us meet us in the courtyard after the ceremony. And then everyone shows up to the courtyard after the ceremony. You get it the old way. <laughs> the blood. <laughs> the blood. Okay, so, right. I've heard my brother tell boot camp stories and, you know, friends. And I know things are different, but the period of time you joined, like, I know you're not there. You're not technically supposed to cuss or like molly wop somebody. Where were the drill sergeants fucking y'all up? I only saw it like three times, three or four times. Where like dudes really got a whooping, but we didn't say shit. Like there was times where you just get smacked in the fucking back of the head and shit. Like you're being a fucking retard right now. You're just mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, guys, drill sergeant. <laughs> you just like take that shit. Because I mean, like, what the fuck are you gonna do? Because it's their word against yours at that point. So it's like, you're not going to get an argument with them. 
Uh, but there were some dudes that they got their fucking asses beat, and they deserved it though. And there was there was some weird shit that went on, man. Like, cause you're not allowed to have food in the barracks, right? And then I've seen Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Private Pile gets with the donut. And then, yeah, he he gets it right. And then so you're not supposed to bring food back to the barracks. And I saw the most grimiest shit I've ever seen. This dude was on his third strike, but he was a piece of shit. He was like one of those people that like the bad apple. Like bringing the whole tree down, and he would just he would do this shit on purpose to get us all fucked up. Like he would do shit on purpose to get us all punished. And I watched these dudes literally just like plant food in his locker, just so he would get kicked out of the army, because he was on his last strike. And I was like, just don't snitch, bro. <laughs> I just yeah. watched it happen. They're like doing this shit. And I was like, oh, I should see shit. And just look past, and I was like, oh, that sucks for you, bro. You shouldn't have sucks been such a piece suck. of... Yeah, it sucks suck, loser. <laughs> did did you ever get any strikes? Nah, because I knew... Uh, I mean, my whole family did it, so I already knew this is the easiest... Like, it honestly was the easiest part. You just have to make it through. Like, <clears throat> it's easier just to, like, live out your contract as a normal person than it is to, like, get kicked out. Mm-hmm. Because if you're getting kicked out, then you just have, like, the shittiest life ever. Like, you get you get extra duty, which is, like, when everyone else gets off and just goes about their business and, like, writes letters home and shit. You're outside, like, cutting grass with scissors. Like, legit shit. And if you refuse to do it, you end up going to fucking jail because you signed a contract. Like, you signed your life away. So you might as well just, like, fall in line and just, like, follow fucking orders there comes a point to question orders, but don't like blatantly disregard them. You know what I mean? And if you just stay on your course and you don't fucking quit, it's not that hard. Mm-hmm. Basic training is the easiest shit. Like throughout the entire like experience of the army, basic training was the easiest shit I did. Cause climbing mountains in Alaska was fucking shitty compared to basic training. <laughs> so let's go on. To this. So you get out of basic training. Go to airport school. Get your blood wings. Get my blood wings. I go back to Vegas for... So, the day before my birthday is the day I graduated airborne school. And then my flight home, because they, they paid for my flight home before I got to my duty station. My duty station was Anchorage. So, I flew back home to Vegas the day before my birthday, and one of my buddies had arranged a party but not told anyone that it was my birthday party mm-hmm. so i just walked in the door and everyone was like oh shit aj's here and i was like hell yeah and i just like partied for like that week and i didn't really know what was coming my way if that makes sense but like i ended up flying out going to anchorage i landed in anchorage in like september and it's already 30 degrees i'm like what the fuck is this shit like the air's really fresh though. And like I get to I get to a unit. I get picked up at the airport. I go to the in processing unit, which is just like empty bedroom. Like don't even unpack your shit because you're going to like your regular unit in a day or two. So I end up getting assigned to six engineer battalion, the headquarters company. And they're like, fuck that, we don't want you. You're going to twenty third engineer company. But they're deployed right now, so you're going to their rear detachment. Rear detachment is like a, like the group of dudes that didn't deploy overseas. 
the rear detachment days was like a six month period, but it felt like the longest time of my fucking life (laughs) because the shit that was about to go down, I had no idea about. And I was a fresh little 19 year old and I was like, well, my army's not so bad. And like, we're just out here doing dumb training and like stupid fucking classwork and shit. And then like drug scandals and like adultery and shit started happening. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? People were doing LSD and shit. Like what? Yes. So like the first six months I was in my unit, I really wasn't in a unit. I was in some fucked up investigation that was going on. I got attached to them. It was like, there was a good group of us that weren't in troublemakers. We were just like in like, we were just there watching the shit go down and getting investigated. But there was also the other group of people. And this was when spice was a big thing. Oh my God. Yeah. So there's like four dudes that are out here just, just smoking all the spice, bro. They had for for people at home who don't know (laughs) spice was this synthetic. It was kind of like fake weed they sold at gas stations and if you ever smoked it a lot of people died from smoking that shit like yeah it, lo- it looked like weed bro but it had the effects yeah. of like heroin like it was fucking yeah. weird i've seen i someone rolled a blunt of it like one time and i hit it you know i don't smoke weed but like even that that shit was awful i was like how are people doing i this? think i smoked it twice two or three times man and it it was like first time i was like what the fuck is this this dumb like it felt like i went on a fucking like acid trip into like the worst way possible like oh it's the water oh sorry it's like running down but it was like going on acid i was on like a fucking ferris wheel but the ferris wheel was my brain and then like i was like i could i was like trying to throw up but i was still like tripping so i was like imagining the anatomy of my body trying to throw up i was like fuck this shit dude i'm just gonna smoke weed like a normal person Like, (laughs) like this is stupid and then like I don't know why I thought it was a good idea to do it again. And I was like, this is fucking retarded. And I never, and that's when I was like 15 or 16. I never touched shit again. I was like, this is fucking dumb. Stupid. Like, I'm not doing this shit. But these dudes are out here every fucking day just smoking the fucking spice. And then they end up pissing hot for it. And it wasn't like, oh, wait, were they, were they drug testing for spice back then? These fucking tests cost like $5,000 a piece because they had to like analyze it. And they were testing people for this shit in and the army. Let me, okay. So to understand what you're saying is you were in this, was it a platoon or a group? You could call it a platoon, but it wasn't enough people. It was maybe like 15 people. It's so you come into this place where everyone is just fucking off the walls. And you walk into a bunch of people who are fucking up and being investigated, and you're kind of just there staying out of the way. So it was normal for like the first month uh-huh. that I was there. The shit hadn't started yet. It was like looming, like getting ready to happen. <laughs> this shit was, I I haven't really thought about it that much until now that we're talking about it. But this shit was pretty fucking wild. It ended up, there was, I think, three sergeants. And two privates, all in the same, like, fucked up ring. And then there's, like, eight of us that were just normal people. Like, fuck, five of my closest friends in the Army, we were all in the rear detachment together. But we were, like, the normal ones. And then, like, one of my old squad leaders, he had come into it, too. And he was, like, our savior because he would pull us away from that shit and, like, take us to his house when, like, these dudes were off, like, fucking around in downtown. He's like, no, you guys are going to come to my house and, like, hang out with me and the wife and, like, 
she's gonna cook for us and y'all can just like drink beer around the campfire mm-hmm. we were like <laughs> drinking beer was a lot normaler than the fucking dudes out just getting into crazy wild shit you seen platoon before yeah I think of like I keep thinking of Elias's group where they're like oh my smoking God. weed out of a yeah. shotgun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the type of shit that was going on, dude. It was, I'm gonna get to it because like okay. some of these fucking dudes got really wild. Uh, one of them is in prison right now. Fuck. Yeah, I'll, I'll get to that one. He fucking murdered some dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was about to say, how is he still in jail? You've got out of the military so long. Ago. <laughs> yeah. Okay, murdered, no, this shit. This shit that. showed up. This happened like a year or two ago and like someone like we have the Facebook group and like someone posted it and they're like, look at who it is. I guess he's he called himself the baby face killer because he killed one dude in Afghanistan up up allegedly. And he had like the shit tattooed on him. He was a, he was like four feet tall. And then someone posted it like, look, it's the baby face killer <laughs> fucking murdered some fucking teenager at a like bonfire party in Pennsylvania. Uh, yeah. He's like, I was afraid for my life. So I shot him and then I disassembled the gun and threw it into different parts on the way home. Like, and I was tripping the whole time. Yeah, just tripping balls. All right, so you're uh all right, so we're they're we're, looking out for you. Yeah, we're all we're all in the same group together. And uh two of the privates, they're the dudes that start smoking spice. And like this is probably around Christmas time, so it's snowing outside. And it this is Alaska dog. It's fucking cold, it's snowing. Mm-hmm. And cops end up, the MPs, the military police, end up rolling up to these dudes in the parking lot because they're nodding out in the fucking parking lot of the barracks, just passed out in their cars, and they're like, what the fuck's wrong with you guys? Like, they thought it was a DUI at first, and they're like, they're not drunk. And real and real quick, are they, was it one of those things where it's like, since Spice was so new and they thought that it's technically, it's legal and no one knows about it, they're like, hey, this is our way to get fucked up. And not get in trouble. No, we knew it was. Okay. It, so, like, things can be legal for mm-hmm. civilians, but they're not okay for the military. Okay. We have our own. They're like, there's our own, like, rules and dictations. Number one is spice. <laughs> yeah, don't do fucking spice, bro. And, like, the like the soldiers that are in, like, Washington and Colorado, they're not allowed to go smoke weed. Like, yeah. So And they probably get drug tested more than anyone in the fucking country does. I piss in a cup more times than I can fucking count. And it's not like you can fake that shit. They watch you pull your dick out and pee in a cup. Like there's someone sitting there staring at your dick as you pee in a cup. It is. I do that in jail. <laughs> yeah. They, they make sure they make sure you dude. They, they want your pee to be st- clean. They They're like on a stool and lean down and just <laughs> lean into your dick. You're like, like, how's this dick look boy? <laughs> you're just like, I want to see every drop. <laughs> don't you don't touch the rim. <laughs> Can you look off to the side? Nah. <laughs> uh, one of the best ones I did was a, uh, because usually it was like one of our NCO, like one of our sergeants that had to be the dick watcher and they fucking hated doing this shit. But one day it wasn't one of our NCOs. It was one of the dudes from headquarters. And I told him the only way I can take a piss is if I'm taking a shit at the same time. <laughs> so this man had to sit there and watch me take a shit. <laughs> I stared right into his eyes and just shit into the toilet and like held the piss cup and held it in front of him and made him sit there and watch me wipe with one arm while I was holding the piss cup in the air. That's great. <laughs> All right, going back to it. The dudes get caught by the MPs 
nodding off in the parking lot. And the MPs start searching their shit, and they pull down the visor, and like six bags, empty bags of spice drop down. So here comes the investigation. <laughs> if y'all don't know what a spice packet looks like, it has it, like the galaxy on it. it, it it's like, it's like, looks, like, looks like hentai, bro. Yeah, it's just yeah. fucking stupid looking. The uh, shit just drops down. We didn't know what was going on. Uh, eventually... CID gets involved and CID is like the criminal investigations division in the military mm-hmm. and they don't fuck around dog. They'll, they go through everything. They follow you. They tap your shit. They investigate everyone. Like everyone. They'll follow you off base to see if you go to like a liquor store and buy fucking spice and shit. Like, yo, they're so now it's like, we're being investigated because of these dudes. So now it comes up that, old boy that murdered someone is like just out there being reckless. <laughs> just him and his wife are not on good terms. They're just doing a fuck ton of coke. Adultery is illegal in the army. Wait, it is? Yeah. You can, I have never heard that before. Yeah, you get kicked out if you sleep with someone's wife and you get caught. So out they're just out there just all over the place, right? Like a Jody boy? Everyone. No, they knew about it too. They're just out there, just both of them. Mm. So they're doing that. Other dude gets fucking stabbed (laughs) at one of the bars in downtown Anchorage. Yeah, he ends up getting kicked out too. Homie just got obliterated, drunk, beat his girlfriend, went to a bar, got stabbed by a Simone dude. He's getting kicked out. Other dude pisses hot for cocaine. He's like, I don't know how that got in my system. I was like, I can tell you what got in your system through your nose. It was in your nose, bro. (laughs) Don't lace my spice. (laughs) One of them got pissed hot for uh, weed, and he's like, "Uh, I accidentally ate a weed brownie. I didn't know it was a weed brownie. I was like, why are you eating brownies at a party, dog? (laughs) He hit him with the muff. It was just, it started getting wild, and like, you just start seeing like cars following you and shit, and you're just being investigated, investigated. And then when the unit- wait, you so you were kind of aware at one point, like they're watching me. Yeah, yeah, no, they're like terrifying, even though you're not doing anything wrong. Yeah, because you feel like everything you're doing is wrong. Like I go it's make like sure. when a cop pulls behind you. I made sure to only go to gas stations on post because I knew they weren't selling spice. <laughs> like if I was running out of gas, bro, I'd rather call AAA than go to a gas station outside the gate. What year was this? That was. 12 into 13. I can't wait to go home and be like 2013 military spice ring. (laughs) (laughs) It was was getting fucking wild, bro. Like, uh, it's just, and you're in such a small unit and you just feel like an outcast at that point. Cause like everyone, everyone knows what's going on, but you don't want to snitch. No one wants to. Oh no. I'm saying like everyone else outside of the unit knows what's going on. They know what the fuck's going on with us. So now you're getting blackballed from like, there's like people like don't talk to those dudes. They're in that unit. They're all fucking drug addicts. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, dog, I just got here. Like, <laughs> I don't fucking know what's happening. And then when our unit got back from deployment, they segregated us from them. So they put like the rear detachment dudes. They're like, I don't want those guys poisoning my ranks. And I was like, we didn't, but we're the ones that didn't piss hot, bro. Like, we're not. We're the ones not doing anything wrong. This was like six months of investigations until the unit got back. And then it was like three months of hazing because we let it happen. And I was like, what was I supposed to do, dog? I was a private. <laughs> Fucking 
So they're 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 on your ass because you're a private yeah. and you didn't say, "Hey, stop smoking spice." Yeah, like I was like, "What the fuck you want me to do, bro? Pull the pipe out of his mouth?" <laughs> <laughs> fuck out of here. Yeah, I want to get stabbed so, by the baby face. Killer. Yeah, fuck, dude. And like, once I got into the normal unit, because there's like a transition period. A lot of people leave because there's just time limits, you know. Like, mm-hmm. but what ended up happening was like after that like shitty period of that time we went into like full integration and we got into the unit. And then it was like everyone that like came into the unit at that time, we were together from 13 to 15 and it was just us. Like we never had, we had maybe, I think we got a batch of new privates once and it was like four of them. And that was it, dude. So there's like a two and a half year period where it was all the same guys. Every fucking, like we got real close. Everyone knew everything about everyone and like everyone knew everyone's weaknesses, strengths, everything. And that unit turned into probably one of the best units I think I could have ever been in. And I was like fortunate to be a part of it. Cause I still talk to those dudes every day, like mm-hmm. at least one of them. And like, even if I don't talk to them for like months on end, when I do see them, it's like, we'd never like, mi- talking. yeah, it's like we never missed a beat. So it, it's like I had to suffer for those six months and that shit just to get like the reward, which was like the next two and a half years of my life, which was fucking dope. Just living in Alaska, which I never thought I'd fucking be doing. So it's like negative 40 outside and these dudes out here just smoking spice and getting caught up. And I'm just trying to live my best life playing <laughs> Xbox and PlayStation. And like it, it's so fucking cold. Your nostrils freeze shut when you walk outside. <laughs> so like those videos of people holding a water bottle and it like freezing. Yeah. That type of situation. Yeah. Oh, there was points when I would spit and my spit would tink off the ground. Well, how would you, if you like pulled out your dick and started pissing, would that be bad? No, I learned how to pee through the pee holes. You never actually pull the dick out. <laughs> <laughs> you reach the through, gopher. you reach through your belt area and you pee like, you hold with your other hand. You hold the hole open and pee through the cavity. <laughs> Skin never touches air. <laughs> oh my god! It's fucking cold, bro. Like a piss tube with your hand. Yes. <laughs> Jesus. When you think of like the outcast story, uh, like outcasts in any story, you're like, here's the normal, and then here's like what's here are these people that are doing like the different shit. Like the dirty dozen. We were the ones doing that shit. Mm-hmm. There would be people like, and we were all fucking like athletic studs. We're the most athletic alcoholics you'll ever see in your fucking life, bro. We're just out here partying every night, but wake up every morning, and run five miles just to start the day off. Yeah. And then, uh, there'd be times when like regular units would be like sitting there, like throwing up on the side of the road and like barely running. And then we run by him carrying a 1200 pound log. With, like, 15 of us past them with, like, full kit on. They're like, what the fuck are these guys doing? And then, like, we break off the trail and then go up the mountain. And they're like, bad news bears, dude. (laughs) We're just, it always smelled like shit. It smelled like whiskey and death in our formation. But we were always running faster than everyone else. (laughs) We'd we'd just do, like, all the competitions and shit. And everyone would win. And then by the time it was, we got our orders to deploy, like, a week after my 20th birthday. And we were supposed to go to the Philippines at first, uh, right when that tsunami hit them. 
and it was like a body cleanup. Oh, basically fuck. like reconstruction body cleanup shit and they ended up tasking that like they tasked them out for that because we were the only combat unit in our brigade we got tasked out to go bomb hunting in Afghanistan instead <laughs> were you preparing to go to the Philippines and this was kind of like a last minute thing and all how how did y'all react to that uh when they changed when they changed the orders up they gave us a fair warning like it was like a month in between it was a it was we the orders got canceled and then we were like dead in water and then boom orders to afghanistan and it was like oh shit we're leaving in four months like we got it gear up so we started training our fucking asses off and we started going like to ntc which is in fort Irwin, california which is four weeks of just bullshit in the desert and then we were training in alaska and then finally the day comes to deploy and you just leave the country where i guess what i should be asking is on one hand you're thinking about going to a country just to clean up shit and there wouldn't be any combat but once you realize hey we're going into a combat situation where was there anxiety? Were you? Did you just get over it and be like, "Okay, we're gonna do it"? Were you scared at all? There was some points that were scary, and then some points. It, it was scary in the beginning, so you don't know what's gonna happen. You don't know your terrain. You you're, you're like lost when you show up, so you you're just trying to get a feel for it, and then. You get, so you fly overseas, you get to an in-processing station. Ours was in Romania at the time. And at the in-processing station, you basically are just like, you're just sitting there waiting for your time to go. And all we did really was like logistical shit, waiting, because you have to pack up all your gear. And they go into connexes like shipping containers. So you're basically waiting for your shipping containers to get, to where you're going. Otherwise, you're just going to be sitting in a war zone with nothing. Fuck. So, that, that transition period was like, I think we were there for like a week in Romania, and then we flew to Bagram, which is one of the bigger air bases. It's one of the biggest ones. There's Bagram and Kandahar. We flew into Bagram, and these motherfuckers are eating ice cream every night. They have a subway. <laughs> I was like, this isn't fucking war. This is just like, shitty version of the united states and like we're just wandering like aimlessly for like a week and a half two weeks all we did was like go to the gym and eat like go to the uso and play fucking video games and we did that and then we finally like all right guys time to go and then we fly to fob fenty which was in jalalabad jalalabad is like like 50 miles away from the pakistan border Needless to say, shit was lit. <laughs> it's a it's a small airstrip base. What year is this now? This is two, 14. 2014. Yeah, so this is 14. We get there. And I knew it was going to be a little different because there's a, there's a machine called a C-RAM. And it's like two Gatlin guns hooked up to sensors. And when like mortars and rockets like come in, it like aims at them and shoots them out of the sky. They're oh, fucking, it's fucking crazy to watch in like real time. Does it does it do anything against RPGs? 
No, these are like more like indirect fire. Okay. Shit coming from the sky. Okay. Uh, yeah, when we got to Jalalabad, they were on shipping containers getting shipped out. <laughs> I was like, so those are going away. And like in the incoming like next month, it was just like mortars, rockets, mortars, rockets, mortars, rockets. You're like, what the fuck, man? Luckily, it was an airstrip and it was pretty thin like as a base. So they always shot over us. <laughs> they never knew how to aim it in the middle. <laughs> You just see him going above you, like yeah. There was one night when we hear a rocket attack, and we like run outside to like go to the bunkers, and you like look up and you see the rockets flying through the sky. You're like, oh shit! And then they just kept going. <laughs> you're like, oh, we good? <laughs> just went back to watching my Mark Wahlberg movie. <laughs> Do, then, is it like a distinct sound that it like even if there wasn't a, like them telling you, can you hear it just like coming towards you? Once the alarms are pretty good, the the alarms go off the second it gets launched. Like they, mm-hmm. I don't know how. What, what they, I meant is, if there was no alarms, would you still be able to hear it? Is it like a noise or? Oh yeah, it's that. Yeah, that's real. Okay. <laughs> that's a real noise. Yeah, some of them are weird too. They could like make a boom, 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 pow, and you're like, yeah. the rockets are just like. it's like don't go down don't go down don't go down (laughs) keep going and then uh so that was happening and then there's things called left seat right seats and that's uh when the incoming unit's taking over for the outgoing unit so we're taking over for this unit so left seat right seat rides is when like half of our unit goes out with half of the air unit and they show us the routes that we're taking over so i'm a driver this is my first mission in afghanistan and the car the truck in front of me gets hit with a car bomb. <laughs> I was in country for maybe two weeks. Thank you for listening to the Yak Back Podcast, presented by Anytown Records. That was part one of my interview with AJ. Next week, we discuss his time in Afghanistan as a bomb hunter and how he made his way to Austin, Texas. <laughs>